Nice job, guys. Thank you for that. Uh, this is week two of our series on legacy. And we've called this legacy because the, the concept of legacy has two parts to it. Uh, one part of legacy is the idea, original meaning of the word was a body of persons sent on a mission. And I love that, that definition for legacy because that describes the church, it describes Rockbrook. We are a body of persons sent on a mission. Great commandment, the great commission are our marching orders from Jesus Christ, fulfilling the great commandment, fulfilling the great commission, both as a church body and as individuals. That's our mission. Second part of the concept of legacy is we are to pass the mission on to the generations that follow. The whole idea of making disciples is the idea of legacy. I follow Christ. I teach you to follow Christ so you can teach others to follow Christ. Paul told it to Timothy in Timothy 2.2. He says, what I taught you, you teach to faithful people who will teach it to faithful people and so on and so on. The reason why the church is here 2,000 years later is because of this concept of legacy. Body of persons on a mission, passing it on to the next generation. Last week, we looked at how psychiatry and theology agree that as human beings, we are created with a hierarchy of needs. Uh, there are needs that we have. We have four basic needs that we have to have met in order to survive. And then we have four needs that have to be met in order for us to thrive, in order to find fulfillment in life. And the last stage in this, in this process, the, the last stage of scratching an itch that just must be scratched is transcendence. Living beyond yourself, making a difference in the life of another person, serving a cause greater than yourself. And if you're going to rise to the level of transcendence, there is a faith moment, a faith dynamic that has to kick in where you just connect with the heart of God, with God's call on your life. Key verse in this uh, series is Ephesians 4.1. Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Paul is urging you, begging you, I'm urging, begging you to recognize that God has placed a call on your life. You weren't created just to, to suck air and take up space. You, you know, God has a plan and a purpose for you. If you're not dead, God still has a purpose for you. Now what's cool about this verse is the way it fits in the context of Ephesians. In the early manuscripts of the Bible, there weren't chapters and verses. In fact, uh, all the sentences, really all the letters, just ran together in one long stream. And it was in later years that they added the chapters and the verses and broke things up and identified it so it would be easier for us to find stuff. But in the early manuscripts, the last verses of chapter 3 just flowed right into the first verse of chapter 4. And so today I want us to look at Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 and flow right into Ephesians 4, 1 and, and, and see the context of this verse about calling. In Ephesians 3, 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. I want you to circle the word more. God wants you to live a more kind of life. More than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And again, it's all based on God's power. It's not my effort, not my energy, not me trying harder. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. I mean, God's glory comes through the church. It's through the church. Listen, folks, countries come and go, empires come and go, movements come and go, ministries come and go, revivals come and go. Only thing that lasts is the church. 
Only thing that's getting out of here alive is the church. God wants his glory to be shown through the whole world, to the whole world, through the church. God wants to do more through the church than you could ever ask or imagine. And then Paul ties this in, into the concept of legacy. He says, throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. And so right after this legacy statement, this vision statement, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. You see where this starts and where it goes? It starts with God's power. It starts with God's power, and then it moves through the church to God's glory into your legacy. That's the plan. But sadly, most of us wind up living ordinary lives instead of extraordinary lives. But God has called us, God has called us to live an extraordinary life. Not because we're extraordinary, but because He is. He is. It's about His power, His glory, His mission, His plan. And so for some of you, you, you need a new commitment to living for a legacy. For some of you, it's just crucial because your Christianity has become uh, boring and predictable. I mean, it's, 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 you've just fallen into a rut, into a pattern. You already know what's going to happen next. Some of you, you've already got the outline all filled out because you know where this is going. I mean, been there, done that. The fire, the life, the vibrancy have gone out in your faith. You've lost sight of the power and glory and legacy that God has called you to. You think it's all about your comfort and security rather than displaying the power and glory of God through you and through the church. You've just settled into a groove. You've settled into a rut. And you're living life in your own power for your own purpose. Your life isn't about vision and impact and world change. You've lost the power of a dream, the power of legacy. You can see it in your prayer requests. See it in how you pray. Are you praying for God to do something big and bold in your life? Are you praying for God to shape, even shake the world through you? Are you praying for God to move in your life? Are you asking God to do things that are so big that if if God doesn't move on your behalf, you're going to fail? Are you living on the edge of faith? Because if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. God never intended for you to live an ordinary life. God intended for you to live a life transcendent, a life exceeding, surpassing the usual limits, a life extending beyond the ordinary experience, a life beyond comprehension. That's the kind of life God calls us to. But it's like there's this gravitational pull to the ordinary. There's a gravitational pull to, to the average, to the mediocre. We, we just have these legacy stoppers that just move in and, and, and squelch our legacy. I want you to look at three legacy stoppers. First one is a wrong view of self. We see ourselves the wrong way. We have a poor assessment of ourselves. We, we believe all this junk, this negative junk about ourselves. You know, I'm no good, I'm not worthy, I'm, I'm a despicable worm. And some people think that's humility, but, but you know, humility, you know, it's not humble to think poorly of yourself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Because the, the, this, all this negative stuff about yourself, it's just not true. You are a human being made in the image and likeness of God. Just by virtue of who your creator is, you have worth and value. And God, your creator, has placed a great call on your life. That call alone provides you with great worth. 
You need to live a life worthy of your calling. And if you'll let him, Psalm 35 says, God will stoop down and make you great. Great. Don't live a life of insecurity. Don't live feeling inferior or worthless. That's not what God's calling you to. Don't don't live a life of fear, feeling anxious, worried, overwhelmed. That's not what God's calling you to. Don't live a life of inadequacy. Don't live life feeling rejected, humiliated, disrespected. That's not God's call. Don't live a life of reluctance. Don't, don't, Don't hold God at arm's length, neglecting his call. God has been calling some of you for years, and you've just been procrastinating. You've been putting it off. You've just been reluctant. It is time to answer the call. That's what God's calling you to Here's what God says about you in 1 Peter. He says, you are a chosen generation. You are alive today, here, in this place now, not by accident. The sovereign God of the universe put you here now in this place. You are a chosen generation. And there are things happening in our generation that the world has been waiting for since creation. And it's easy as people to look out at what's happening in the world and to let it scare us or depress us or discourage us. But the the truth is, things in missions and politics and prophecy and in the life of the church, this is a wild time to be alive. And God has chosen you for such a time as this. He's put you here to be involved in ministry and mission because great things are happening. That's what God's called you to. God says you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. The King James Version, it says that we are a peculiar people. How many of you live in peculiar? Yeah, put them up, put them up. Yeah, be bold, be proud, yeah. The motto of the city peculiar, one of them is uh, the odds are with you. Yeah, yeah. Truth is, if you're a believer in God, a believer in Jesus Christ, God has called you to be peculiar. God has called you to live differently than everybody else. You're chosen. You're royal. You're a priest. You're holy. You're part of a nation. You're special. You're peculiar. The odds aren't with you. God is with you. He wants you to live like it. God made you like that so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's that call again. God called you out of darkness into light. Why? So you can praise him. Proclaim the praises. You've got to have a right view of yourself rather than a wrong view of yourself. Because when you see you as God sees you, it changes everything. Changes everything. Second legacy stopper. Wrong view of people stops your legacy. The problem is people bug us too much. I mean, when people bug you too much, they, they become not a person to be loved, but a problem to avoid. And listen, people can either irritate you or entertain you. And it's your choice. And personally, I'm really entertained by irritated people. I mean, aren't they just some of the funnest, funnest people to watch? Oh, that guy's really irritated. Hey, watch this. You know? I mean, you can, either, you can view them either as a problem to avoid or you can view them as a person to be loved. Look how Jesus responds to people, how he reacted. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He had compassion. He had pity. He was filled with tenderness for them. He didn't see them as a problem to avoid. He saw them as someone to be loved. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. People in our culture today, they are harassed and helpless. 
And, and the Greek words there are extremely graphic. They, on the surface, they mean to be worried, distressed, and troubled. You dig just a, one layer down, and literally these words mean to be slayed, skinned, and butchered. Slayed, skinned, and butchered. A sheep with a shepherd is protected. A sheep with a shepherd rests in green pastures by cool waters. A sheep without a shepherd is skinned and butchered. Today, people are living apart from Christ, harassed and helpless. I mean, you look around at our culture, you look around at the world, the violence, the sex trafficking, the slavery, it's just staggering. There are more slaves today than ever in history. I mean, it's just the number of fatherless homes is rising, personal debt is rising, divorce is rising, domestic abuse is rising, drug abuse is rising, sexual abuse is rising, suicide is rising, depression is rising, and all of that's happening right here in America, the most affluent, most Christian nation in the history of the world. You move outside the umbrella of that protection into the rest of the world, and it is staggering what is happening to people. They are harassed and helpless. They are being slaughtered and skinned and butchered. And God calls us to introduce them to their shepherd, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the answer, and we are his ambassadors. What a calling that is. We've got to change the way we view people, lost people. Third legacy stopper is a wrong view of God. We have forgotten that we serve a miracle-working, powerful, can-do, above and beyond, exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we can ask kind of God. If all you're living for is today, if all you're trying to do is make it through this pay period, if all you're trying to do is make it through this shift, if all you're trying to do is just make it till you retire, your view of God is too small. You need to serve a bigger God. Look what Jeremiah says. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. There's a verse to put at the top. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it at the top of your bucket list. And then try and do some big things. Dream some big dreams about leaving a legacy because nothing is too hard for God. Dream about living beyond yourself. It's time for us to pursue greater things. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me, say that phrase with me, faith in me, faith in me. One more time, faith in me. Yeah, not just faith, faith in Christ. Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And some of you have lost the substance of your hope. In fact, you're not even hoping for anything. You know exactly what's going to happen this week. you got it all figured out. you got it all planned out. You just hope it goes according to your plan. That's what you hope. You're hoping that the sovereign God of the universe does what you have planned for him to do. You, you hope that the almighty creator, sustainer God will cooperate with your plan for his life. That's what you hope. But Jesus calls you to have faith in him. Not in yourself, not in your plans. Look what he promises will happen if you put your faith in him. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things. Say those two words, greater things. Greater things. Yeah, greater things. Jesus is calling you to live a greater things kind of life. But you can't live that life without faith in Christ. As long as you're living in the realm of what you can do in your own effort, in your own strength, you are stopping your legacy. 
But you step out in faith and start living beyond yourself. You start living a transcendent life, serving God, serving others, plugged into mission, plugged into ministry. And there's a reason why we call it Dream Team around here, because we're calling you to dream great dreams for God. You get plugged into ministry at Rockbrook, you get inv- you're going to get involved in things greater than yourself. And this church is doing great things, greater things. I want us to look at, at a Bible story that illustrates this. It's found in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 3. The Bible says in the New Testament that the stories in the Old Testament were written to serve as examples for us. We are to learn from these stories. So this story takes place in a time when the nation of Israel is divided. There's the northern kingdom, Israel, in the north, and there's the southern kingdom called Judah, and it's in the south. So the king of Israel in the north, the king of Judah in the south, decided to hook up with the king of Edom in the east, and they're going to go fight against the king of Moab. And these three kings thought they had formed a powerful alliance. They had stacked the deck in their favor to the point that they didn't need God's help. They thought, we got this. We got this. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom after a roundabout march of seven days. Now, what does that remind us of? Well, it reminds me of Joshua marching around Jericho for seven days. You know, they're even trotting out an old miracle here. It's not going to work this time. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Okay. If you read your Bible like that, it makes it a lot more fun. Okay. What? Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? You ever felt like that? You ever just felt like, God, what? have you called me out here just to die? Have you called me to this new city, to this new job, to this new relationship, to this new ministry just to die? What? king of Israel was questioning God's intention, God's faithfulness. But Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, says this. Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? Now, I read that and I think, why didn't you guys do this before you got yourself in this mess? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Elijah is one of the most powerful prophets in the history of Israel. Elisha was his protege, his apprentice, his student, his servant. used to pour water on his hands. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, watch this. What do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. I mean, evidently he didn't like that king very much. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. He says, no, it's all God's fault. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. I mean, he's just laying it out for him here. If it weren't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't give you the time of day. You see the power of a righteous person in the mix? I mean, this is Jehoshaphat's righteous legacy here. Elisha, then I love this. I think this is one of the coolest verses in the Bible. Elisha says, but now bring me a harpist. Now, why is that such a cool verse? Well, I want you to think about this. If you had three armies that had come together to attack another country, And these three armies have been marching around in the desert for seven days. 
until they run out of water and are about to die of thirst, and you were called in to solve the problem. If you were called in to rescue them in their hour of need, would the first words out of your mouth be, bring me a harpist? (laughs) No. No. What is going on with this bring me a harpist? The idea of connecting music and worship with the power, presence, and revelation of God just flows through the Old and New Testaments. I mean, Old Testament prophets would have this word from the Lord that everybody is waiting for, but they're not going to deliver it until they have some mood music. This message needs some accompaniment. So, bring me a harpist. See how the mood changes just just as soon as he starts playing? You know, the prophet Elisha wanted some music because he knew that there is a prophetic element to music. And, And we need to understand this about music. We need to understand this about worship because music increases our awareness of the presence of God. It doesn't increase the presence of God. God is already here fully present. But music, worship, increases our awareness of his presence. And I'll just tell you, that's why we open every week with with the video that we do, the pre-roll video that we play, that's got the music and the pictures with it, and and it says who God is, and God is here, and you are here, and you're accepted, and you belong to him. We just do that to make you aware of God's presence. God, God is here before the first note of the opening song is played. We're just trying to help you become aware of it. That's the goal. And so we we encourage you just to move into this process, to just move in and participate in in the worship. Because it does tremendous things for you. It does tremendous things for you. And you know, if you're just going to stand there with your hands in your pockets like you're too cool for school, it's just not going to happen for you. And I'm not saying you're not saved and you're not a Christian if you don't clap, but I'd encourage you to read through the Psalms and see how many times God says, clap your hands, all you people. Introvert, extrovert, whether you got good rhythm or not. I can't clap and sing at the same time. I have to pick. I do. And so I clap. And God has God invite you. If you want God to move in your life, you've got to move into God's life. And so I just want this harpist here to help me out as we move through this. First of all, it says, While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. Elisha teaches us something about faith that, that maybe we've forgotten. And the first one is, faith is birthed in God's presence. I mean, you're just, you, you know, if, you, not, if you're not aware of God's presence, there's just no faith. If you're just living life down here at this attainable level, if you just got this pro-con list when you're making decisions, if you're just striving for an average, even mediocre life, if you're just trying to survive at the needs level, here's the problem. Rylan's not going home with you. Okay? I mean, here's what it sounds like at your house. Yeah. I mean, you come in here, you come in here each week, and the band cranks up, and man, we're all just, this is our hope, this is our peace, faithful is our God, yeah, yeah. This is our strength, this is our shield, 
Faithful is our God. And then you leave here, you get in the car with your family, and you drive down here, and you get about all down here to the stoplight. And then it's just, come on! Right turn on red, right turn on red. What are you waiting for, the millennium? <laughs> you need a harpist. <laughs> yeah. You need to build God's presence into your life every day, every situation, because faith is birthed in God's presence. Next, Elisha says, this is what the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. They have no water, they have no sign of rain, there is not a cloud in the sky. So you would think the next verse would be, then God sent rain. But no, Elisha says, dig ditches second secret of faith. Faith goes beyond inspiration to participation. I mean, if you study faith in both the Old and New Testaments, you discover that God always gets you involved in the process. Story in the Old Testament of a king from a foreign country, he's got leprosy, comes to Israel, talks to a prophet, says, I need to be healed. And the prophet says, go down and dunk yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Jordan River is just a little muddy stream down there. The guy says, I'm not going to go down there and do that. The guy says, well, if you want to be healed, you will. So he humbles himself, goes down, dips in the Jordan seven times, his leprosy is gone. Jesus has a guy who's blind who wants to be healed. Jesus makes mud with spit, puts it on the guy's eyes and says, now go wash it off. You know, both the prophet and Jesus could have healed those guys like that. They didn't. They gave him something to do. They wanted them to participate. When Jesus fed the 5,000. He, had, he told the disciples, he says, have them sit down in groups of 50. Why? I don't know. Have them do something. Have them move. Have them participate. Have them dig. If you're going to accomplish greater things, you've got to dig. You've got to participate. You've got to prepare. You've got to put forth the effort. If God had sent rain before they were prepared, it would have just run off and wouldn't have solved their problem. You know, are you prepared for God to move in your life in a big way? And I'll just tell you, around here, one of the best ways I can encourage you to prepare for God to move in your life is just to get plugged into the church. Take our growth track, get plugged into the dream team, get involved in a small group, get involved in ministry. You know, earlier in the year, we said, just give us a year. Work the process. I mean, digging ditches isn't fun. It's just, it's hard work. But you are preparing for the move that God is going to do in your life. And if you're not ready, why is God going to waste the move? You know, if you, want, if, if you won't get connected here at Rockport, get connected somewhere because the church is what God is doing in this age. The church is God's plan. It, it is God's glory. It, it, is, it is God's program. God is not going to work through some rogue renegade out there who's not connected with the body of Christ. Because God, you've got to get plugged into what God is doing. Stop asking God to bless what you want to do and start doing what God is blessing. And in this age, God is blessing the church. And then Elisha says this. He says, for this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain. There's not going to be any signs that God's going to work. You're not going to see any, any wind. You're not going to see any rain. And some of you are begging God for a sign. You are just, God, give me just a little sign, just a little wisp of a cloud, just a little breeze to, to move the air, just something to let me know that you're out there. Elisha says there won't be a sign. Yet this valley will be filled with water. 
and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, and by the way, he will also hand Moab over to you. Here's the lesson. Faith continues regardless of what we see. Some of you have gotten discouraged. I mean, it's been years you've been praying for something to happen. And I just want to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep digging those ditches. Keep preparing. Keep praying. Keep moving in close to God. Keep participating in what God is doing. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. Legacy leavers who leave a legacy do it because they put their hope in the unseen, not the seen. The seen is temporary. The unseen is eternal. And my prayer, my prayer today, my prayer through this series is that God, for some of you, God will just stir your faith again. That God will awaken you to the call that he's placed on your life. That that you will just lean into God's call. And that God will lean into you. And that you will be able to do greater things than you ever imagined. For some of you, you need a new vision fresh vision. Some of you have never heard it in the first time. You had no idea God had a call on your life. And this is a new experience for you. But you have an opportunity to leave a legacy of greater things. Don't miss that opportunity. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you so much for your love for us. And maybe you're here today and, and you just need to pray, God, change my, change my view of myself. Help me to just recognize that that I am dearly loved by you, that I am created by you, that I have worth, I have value. You've placed a call on my life because you've got a plan and a purpose for me. Maybe today you need to pray, God, change my view of other people. Help me not to see them as a problem to avoid or as an irritation. God, help me to see them as sheep without a shepherd. Help me to realize that Jesus Christ is the answer and I'm his ambassador and I need to communicate the compassion, the love, the tender mercy of Christ to these people who who are being slaughtered and butchered by the world. Maybe you need to pray, God, change my view of you. Help me to see you as the awesome, promise-keeping, amazing, almighty, powerful God the one who can do things above and beyond what I can even think or imagine. God, give me a fresh vision of you so I can see the great things that you're calling me to. God, I pray you'll help each of us to move into your presence that our faith might take root and grow and flourish. God, help us to participate. Help us to dig. Help us to act. Help us to be involved, to cooperate, to participate, to to just roll up our sleeves, to put on that servant's apron, to just step into what you're doing. God, help us to persevere, to have the faith to believe because you said it, not because we see it, to have the faith to trust you without a sign. Jesus said it's a wicked, perverse generation that requires a sign. You want us instead to walk by faith. God, I just pray for this church. I pray for these people. 
that we will just latch on to your plan, your purpose, your will for our life, and that we will do greater things than we have ever imagined. Unleash your power, unleash your glory through us. It's what you called us to. In Jesus' name we pray.